Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? Awesome. Thanks for coming out on a Wednesday night and in, uh, just enjoying life together as a family. This is going to be fun. Uh, just as uh, Pastor Rod said, we're going to be kicking off a series on the Holy Spirit. Um, it's going to be a three-part series. I'm excited about it. I really feel like the Lord's going to do something pretty powerful. Um, I, I really feel like uh, the enemy has tried to do something uh, in the world recently that is simply a setup for God to do something radical. And so I'm excited, and I'm really praying that the Holy Spirit would just get a hold of our hearts and just ignite a flame and a fire in our own hearts that would just spread throughout this city, throughout this state, and throughout this country, and throughout this world. And so we're going to jump into it. Uh, this first study is uh, it's actually going to be two different parts. And then the last Sunday, we're going to be jumping into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited about that one because I think there's a lot of uh, information out there that is false with regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to simply take the Word of God and divide the Word of God and show you exactly what the Bible says about it because it ain't weird, it's actually normal. Um, and we've, sometimes we make, we make it weird, but it doesn't have to be weird. <laughs> it's normal. It might be out of our comfort zone, because God is not necessarily us and he, and, and we should be, you know, connected with him in his comfort zone. He doesn't have to connect with our comfort zone. Uh, so, but if you will grab your Bibles, turn over to Galatians chapter five. Uh, that's where we're going to kickstart uh, this evening. And we're going to be talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I've titled this the wild goose. <laughs> Hang with me here. So I know that some, that most of us probably when we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about, you know, this peaceful dove that's just resting upon, you know, the shoulders of Jesus and rightfully so, right? I mean, the, 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 the symbol, uh, the dove is, is, you know, inspired by the baptism of Jesus there in Matthew chapter four. And so that's often what we think of when we think about the Holy Spirit and the dove has been used, you know, as a, as, as a symbol, uh, for the Holy Spirit for many years by Christians. I was a part of a denomination where our symbol was this dove that was falling down. And if you went to a really cool church, it had flames, you know, that were coming out. <laughs> and so it, it, it really is, it's a symbol of, of peace and purity. And, you know, new beginnings, you know, you've got Noah and, 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 and the flood ends and the dove comes back and it's got the, the, the leaf in the mouth and you're like, ah, new beginnings. And so there, it's, it's a great symbol. However, I believe that there's another symbol that I think actually accurately depicts the Holy Spirit. And that's the wild goose. And the, and the wild goose was a term that actually the ancient uh, Celts used um, for the Holy Spirit. And the name, uh, it, it just signifies mystery. And, and much like a wild goose, the Spirit of God can't be tracked, can't be tamed. The, the wild goose symbolizes a wild and unpredictable goose that surprises us and disturbs our plans all at the same time. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that's been my life. I'm like, okay, Lord, I got this. Thank you. Okay, Holy Spirit, thank you for leading me. We got this. What? What? No? Okay. Uh, we got this, Holy Spirit. What? Huh? That, that's been my entire life because that's what the Holy Spirit likes to do is just get in there and lead us because he knows exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. And he's in it for us and he wants to build us up and raise us up to be just image bearers that we might declare the goodness of God so that others might see his excellencies and come to him as well. And so the Holy Spirit's got a plan and, and, and 
and oftentimes it disturbs our plan. We're going to be kicking off this series on the Holy Spirit by talking about the wild goose. Starting in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 25, I'll read it to you. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit the spirit. You know, the Christian life is supposed to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. It was never meant to be simply going through the motions. I know sometimes that happens or just routine or uh, predictable. You know, it was never meant to be that way. It was supposed to be full and abundant. And that's how the Christian life is supposed to be. Yes. Are you saying amen or what? uh, Yes. Amen. Come on. Listen, one joker said it this way. He said, life, the problem with life is this. It's so daily. (laughs) And another guy said it this, he says, life is like a, kind of like a merry-go-round without the merry. (laughs) It's like, we're going through the motions. We're just kind of everyday routine, predictability, but that's not the Christian life. There was a French naturalist by the name of Jean Henry Fabre. And he did this interesting study with several caterpillars. Uh, And as I read through this story, I was just kind of blown away. But he takes this flower pot, and in the middle of the flower pot, he plants this succulent plant uh, that caterpillars love to eat. And then around the the, the rim of the flower pot, he places all these caterpillars around, and he's just going to observe them. And so from head to tail, from head to tail, and from head to tail, he places these caterpillars around, and he watches them. He watches them for minutes that turned into hours, that turned into days. And for seven days, these caterpillars marched around the edge of the flower pot. And on the seventh day, they didn't blow a trumpet. (laughs) They didn't shout and the, the walls of the flower pot didn't come tumbling down. Actually, they began to fall off the flower pot dead of starvation. And I read this story and I'm like, what? I don't understand. Like why in the world wouldn't the the caterpillars just kind of crawl down the edge of the pod and go down and and eat the plant? I don't understand it. It, 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 But then I began to realize that isn't that often what the Christian life sometimes looks like? You know, we're following the lead of, of our surroundings. We're following the lead of our circumstances and we're being led not by the Holy Spirit, but by these other things that are just casting us to and fro. And we're like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And we're just spiritually starving to death. And we've got to be careful. The Christian life is not meant to just follow and and allow our circumstances to dictate what we're doing. We have got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We don't follow the lead of our surroundings. We follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, did you know that the early church in the book of Acts was a charismatic church? Now, now, for some of you, you're like, oh, I don't know, what is he, where's he going with this one? Like, okay, no, I, I don't mean like they weren't bouncing off walls that I know of. They weren't convulsing and laughing and, and maybe, I don't know, but that's not what I mean. I mean, the early church, if you read through the book of Acts, you will see that they were led by the spirit. They were a charismatic church. When the apostle Paul, you know, when he got knocked out by Jesus and then got the call of light, got the call of God on his life and he started to go, did you know that he didn't go ask permission He's not like, hey, guys, just wanted to find out. Is it, is, it, uh, can, is it cool? No, it says that they were in Antioch and they were praying. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas. They were led 
by the Holy Spirit. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he's a historian. If you read through the book of Acts, you'll see over and over again, the thing that characterized the early church was the being led by the Spirit. Over and over again, it was like the norm. I mean, he would talk about healing, prophesying, miracles, speaking in tongues, And it wasn't weird. It was the norm. It's how life was in the early church. And unfortunately, as you read through history, and I've done uh, some pretty pretty good research on church history. I kind of love history. And so I read through uh, several church history books. And here's one thing that I noticed as I was reading through church history, not just the early church and, you know, before 100 AD, but 100 AD all the way to 300 AD and, and so on and so forth. The the demise of the charismatic character of the church started happening with with the rise of the institutionalization of the church. So when we started to institutionalize the church, it's when the charismata, which is the Greek word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for gifts of the spirit, they started to decrease. That's interesting to me. And I'm all about, uh, by the way, organization. I'm all about local church and belonging to a local church, submitting to our leadership, submitting to one another. I'm all about that. But there's something about the institutionalization of the church that can get us in trouble and keep us off track. We can't be like those caterpillars, just kind of following the lead. Right, And here's what happens a lot of times in church, uh, especially a smaller church, where you're just kind of following the lead of the pastor or you're following the lead of your leader or you're following the lead of the teacher. And you're like, teacher, tell me what to do. I I don't understand how this is supposed to work. Tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do. And the pastor's left going, okay, that's a lot of weight on my shoulders to be God for you right now. Um, I can kind of direct you to the word. I can kind of give you some advice. I can give you some wisdom. I can pray for you, Um, but I'm not God. You're gonna have to go to God. I, I don't know about you, but I have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is supposed to be inside of you. So I would encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and, and, and I want to tell you that it's easy to just follow the lead of another leader or another pastor, and it's hard to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. It's easy for someone to tell you what to do, but it's hard for you to listen and obey on what you're supposed to do. God's given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors for the equipment of the saints. Thank you, Jesus. But he gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And as we talk about the Holy Spirit for the next three weeks, my heart is really to encourage you as sons and daughters of God. And my prayer is that the hope of God would just begin to rise up within you. And we have to be careful. Um, Confession, I've been a part of this. We can't domesticate God. We can't domesticate God. We can't tame God to be who we want him to be. I know for me, like oftentimes, okay, God, I got you figured out. This is how I want you to be. If you could just fit nicely and neatly in this little box and everything will be fine, God. Don't disturb this because it'll get all jacked up. Just Lord, we cannot domesticate God. And I think it ultimately paralyzes us from truly walking by the spirit. The spirit-filled life is a path filled with adventure, with uncertainty, and with unlimited possibilities. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to unleash the untamed faith within us as we dedicate the next three weeks of just talking about him, 
the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father, he was sent as a comforter. Why? Because God knew that we were gonna go through some stuff where we needed some comfort. He was sent as a strength because he knew that there were gonna be some times where we were gonna be weak and we needed to lean in and get some strength from the Holy Spirit. He was sent as a safety because it's dangerous sometimes out there in the spiritual world and he knows that we could run to him for refuge. He was going to be sent as peace because life gets a little chaotic and confusing sometimes and it's nice to run to the Holy Spirit and get some peace. And so I wanna explore the powerful supernatural life that is meant for every Christian. I I don't know if, not the A-team, not the super Christians, not not the elite, not the pastors and the leaders. Those are the ones. No, no, no. The supernatural life for every single Christian. Galatians chapter 5, 25. If we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. And that word if is actually better translated since. And so it better reads this way. Since you live by the spirit, since you live by the spirit, then also walk by the spirit. And the context of what's happening here of what Paul is talking about is actually freedom. The whole, read the whole chapter, chapter five. You'll see that Paul is referring to freedom, freedom that Christ gave us. He freed us from the legalism. He freed us from the law. He freed us from regulations. He freed us from rules. We don't have to, to, to do those anymore to be right because of the righteousness of Jesus. He freed us from sin. And now we are free to live in the spirit. So we ought to walk by the spirit. Nothing is holding us back any longer. And as we live free in the spirit, as we experience the freedom of the spirits, since we experience freedom in the spirit, then we should walk it out. And positionally, I know we know this. We're like, yes, of course. But practically, oh, this gets hard. This gets challenging. I mean, when the rubber meets the road, that's where it really matters. When the day-to-day routines start happening and we're like, okay, I'm gonna follow the lead of the Lord. Darn it, I messed up already. It's only eight o'clock, darn it. You know, when the rubber meets the road, it gets challenging. But the question that I wanna pose this evening is how do I walk by the spirit? And I can't answer that question for you because you hear the Holy Spirit because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Now, as a brother in the Lord, I can encourage you. I can pray for you. Maybe the Lord will give me a word. Maybe I'll take you to the word and show you some stuff. I could do that as a brother in the Lord, but ultimately your relationship with the Lord is between you and the Lord. And the thing about being led by the Spirit is that to a large degree, it requires that we learn to hear from the Spirit, (laughs) which is not always as easy as one might hope, right? It's a little challenging, but it's essential to the life and the will of God. This is what uh, Jonathan Edwards says. He says, the task of every generation is to discover in which direction the sovereign redeemer is moving, then move in that direction. Learning to hear the, the, the spirit is an art. It's not a science. It's not, and it's not an equation that you can figure out. It's an art. It's a lifelong process that involves a lot of mystery, a lot of humility, and a lot of intentionality. But he will lead you and he will guide you. And oftentimes by just knowing the word and applying it is how he leads us and guides us. Often through the wisdom he gives us for particular situations is how he leads us and guides us. Often in very seemingly natural ways, (laughs) only revealed to be the spirit later. 
he guides us and he leads us often through church community. Yeah, and loving and guidance and accountability, he leads us and guides us often through some more esoteric experiences. Does he lead us and does he guide us? And this is essential because there's a lot of things that the scripture doesn't speak on. I'm a firm believer that all truth is God's truth. And just because two plus two isn't in the Bible doesn't mean it's not truth. There's a lot of things that are true that aren't necessarily in the Bible. And that's why we have a word as our standard so we can line it up with the word of God. Does this go against the word of God? Well, let me see. No, it doesn't. Okay. I think the answer starts with, as we, as we start to learn how to be led by the Spirit, as we start to learn how to be guided by the Spirit, the, the, the answer really begins with understanding who the Spirit is. And my heart really isn't to go, uh, you know, beyond speculation into these. I, I just want to keep it real and fresh and biblical and allow the Lord to lead us and guide us. Oftentimes when we think about the spirit or ghost, as the King James would put it, some of us are scared of that, like a ghost, what? But, but what, what comes to mind is immaterialism, right? Immaterialism. And that's not really what the biblical words are hinting at. Spirit in Hebrew is ruach. That was a tough one. And in Greek, it's pneuma, a little bit easier. And, and, and get these, these terms are what they would call onomatopoeic. That's a tough one, took me all week to learn. Onomatopoeic, and it's a word that's basically formed based on a sound. So like sizzle, bang, pow, squash, you know, they're, they're, they're words that are based on sounds. And so when, when, when we think about the word spirit in Hebrew and in Greek, it's supposed to bring this idea of air in motion, ruach, pneuma. And the spirit, as it refers to God, expresses power, energy, and life. And the Holy Spirit's not merely just this energy and this immaterial or impersonal it. The scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit is actually a person. Now, it's, it's not in the way that you and I are people necessarily, but it's in the way that the Father and the Son are persons. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And I want to spend just a few minutes on the Trinity. Uh, I've actually got a resource, and if you're interested, you could come to me and talk to me. It would be like a three-week uh, teaching series altogether in and of itself. So we're not going to exhaust the subject tonight, but I do want to just dive in just a little bit so that we can get an idea of who the Spirit is. So I want to draw your attention to a few scriptures. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Acts chapter five, verses one through six. And I'll read it to you here. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself? The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. In verse five, it says, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and he died. 
(laughs) And everyone who heard about it was terrified. Yes. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet and took him out and buried him. Feel sorry for those guys. So not the most encouraging word in the Bible. Yes, I would agree. Uh, This is a tough one to kind of wrestle with. It's, It's like, what just happened? This is a crazy story. Now, the book of Acts is a radical book. I would encourage you to read the book of Acts. I mean, it is seriously radical. And so this is kind of like stuck in the middle and you're like, what? And so like at the beginning, you hear about the Holy Spirit's gonna be coming. And so they're anticipating the Holy Spirit and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit in obedience, you know, to Christ because he said, don't go just yet, just wait for the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and boom, revival breaks out. Peter, who was once denying Jesus, I don't know, just a few days ago is now preaching the gospel to thousands of people and thousands of people are giving their life to the Lord. I mean, the church was on fire. There was um, thousands being added to the church regularly. And then all of a sudden the church starts gathering together and they're doing community. I mean, they're doing community together. They're getting together regularly. They're praying together. They're studying the Bible together. They're fellowshipping together. They're doing all these radical things together. And then on top of that, like they're looking around and they're going, are there people that have needs? Whoa, there's people that have needs here. So we have a lot, but they have needs. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start pulling together our resources. We're gonna start laying them at the apostles' feet and the apostles can then divvy them up to those that had need. And so the church is just on fire. Nobody's got any need at all. And then boom, we hear this story. We're like, what? what? What is going on? And I think it's there to show us the heart of God. And, 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 and I don't want to go into it too much, but it just reveals the character and the heart of God. But I want you to notice a few things that were in that passage that's going to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is. Number one, if you look in verse three, it says that, uh, it says that Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't lie to it's. <laughs> I, I don't lie to it's. I lie to people. The Holy Spirit is a person. And then he goes on, and in the Holy Spirit, in verse four, he says synonymously, he says that he didn't lie to them, but he lied to God. And so he's saying that the Holy Spirit is a person and that the Holy Spirit is God. Now that's just one passage. There's a lot of passages that refer to the Holy Spirit being God. So hang with me. I'm just gonna give you one more, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Did you catch what's being said? The Lord is the spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit presented in scripture is essentially deity, just as the Father and the Son are deity, and he should be worshiped, he should be adored, he should be loved, and he should be obeyed as God. And so now we have a little bit more of an idea of who the Holy Spirit is. He's not an it, he's a person, and he's God. And so I want to dive in just a little deeper to get an idea of who the Holy Spirit is. Now, we're going to be voting this week. I hope you guys are going out and and voting. Um, I I just saw Joey back there with this sticker on. He voted early. He actually said he voted a little bit later, but they had early on there. So, but yeah, he went. And so when you're looking for leaders, what are you looking for? I mean, what, what are you looking for? You're looking at their life. You're seeing what they're, in this particular case, you're looking at their voting record. You're seeing what they're passionate about. 
You're trying to, 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 to remove all the surfacey stuff that they're trying to tell you, and you're trying to really see what they're about. And so you often go back to the voting records. Oh, that's what you're passionate about. Yeah, you didn't say that. But if you really want to get to know somebody, you learn what they're passionate about. I did this for my, my wife and I when we initially met in Hawaii. I began to learn what she was passionate about. And at the time she was going to college and she was learning economics and she was learning, you know, all these different things about, uh, what, what was your degree, babe? <laughs> I just completely <laughs> forgot. International relations. She, and so she's learning about all these different things. And I'm just like, wow. And she's very passionate about it. And when I'm talking to her about it, she's just alive and sharing. And it was exciting for me. And I'm getting to know her more because I see that she's passionate about this. And I've learned that with my kids, my, my youngest child, Carly, she's passionate about, uh, you know, uh, sports. She loves sports. At one time she was a runner and she just loved it. She loves competition. She does not love to be beat. I can tell her, sweetie, you probably can't do that. Don't worry about it. And, and she, it will motivate her. She will rise up to the occasion and she will conquer because that is her personality. And that's what she's passionate about. But if I told my other two daughters that it would melt them, they'd cry, they'd go into the corner and it'd be done with because my youngest, my middle child, she loves animals. She loves pets. She loves her animals and she's very passionate about them. My oldest daughter, she's a little bit more crafty. And so she writes letters and she does these little crafty things and she loves to, to show them to me because she wants to get a rise out of me like, oh, that's awesome, sweetie. I love that. Great job. I'm so proud of you. Those are, so if you want to get to know somebody, you begin to learn what they're passionate about. And so my question is, what is the Holy Spirit passionate about? If we want to really get to know the Holy Spirit, let's find out what the Holy Spirit is passionate about. And number one, and this is, this is my heart. So we're already at seven, we're almost at 7.30 already. This is going to be an hour, but I want to leave room for worship because, because we often do worship at the beginning, which is perfectly fine, right? I mean, the, the worship prepares our heart for the word, but I also believe the word prepares our heart for worship. And so I want to leave some time at the end to worship the Lord and just allow him to move. And so we're going to go through one more point and then I'm going to save the rest for next week. It'll be a to be continued. I'm going to give you a cliffhanger so you come back next week. But number one, the Holy Spirit is passionate about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is passionate about Jesus. In John chapter 16, verse 14, it says, he will glorify me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It says, he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so one of the passions and one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus known to us. And he's highlighting Jesus for us. He's declaring the things of Jesus for us. He's honoring and glorifying Jesus. He's very passionate about Jesus. Everything he does is for Jesus, to bring Jesus glory. <clears throat> and as God, the Holy Spirit is utterly free to do all that he pleases, and it pleases him to make much of Jesus. Now, you guys might know the story, but John chapter four, uh, 14 all the way through 16, as it goes, is just kind of a really cool section of scripture there because the disciples had been following Jesus. 
I mean, they knew Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus spoke with authority. Jesus did radical miracles. I mean, he was on fire and they were just blown away. They knew that this was the true Messiah. They were, now they were a little confused. They thought he was gonna overtake the government and essentially rule the world, but that's not how Jesus decided to do it. Uh, he eventually overthrew the government in his own way, but, but, but they loved Jesus and they loved nothing more than to be with Jesus. And so when Jesus says, hey, listen, guys, I gotta go. It scared them. It freaked them out. Hold on, Jesus, you're all we know. I mean, we've left everything behind to follow you. And now you're telling us that you're leaving us? What are we going to do? And so they were scared. They found themselves in just a place of anxiety. And Jesus says, don't worry. Don't be anxious because I have to go, but that's okay. I'm going to send a helper, the Holy Spirit to come alongside you, to come ultimately in you and to come upon you. And we'll talk about those three different verbs right there because it makes a huge difference, prepositions, excuse me, it makes a huge difference. Uh, Jesus coming, or the Holy Spirit coming alongside, the Holy Spirit coming in and the Holy Spirit coming upon. But that's what he says. And so this is supposed to bring comfort. And he says, hey, listen, he's gonna come and he's gonna glorify me. He's gonna glorify me. He's gonna, point, he's gonna point you back to me. I'm not leaving you as orphans. You're gonna be okay. The Holy Spirit's gonna teach you those things that I've been teaching you. He's gonna continue to teach you those things. Listen, the Holy Spirit was very passionate about Jesus. And if we, wanna, if we wanna follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, then we too must be very passionate about Jesus. Listen, when Jesus is made much of, the Holy Spirit is in the midst there, I guarantee you. When we go evangelize and we're making much of Jesus as we evangelize, the Holy Spirit is there empowering us because he wants to get behind us to make much of Jesus. Listen, we have to be passionate about Jesus if we wanna follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. So there's the cliffhanger. We got two points tomorrow or next week. Two more points. Two more points. But I want to do this.